exactly. But anyway, time is short. So this, I've made this abridged because the full parenting course I have, it's part one and part two. Because we just have one hour here, it's only part two I'm going to talk about. Part one, I actually start from before childbirth. If I just tell you, before childbirth, pregnancy, you know, uh, du'as, what to do during pregnancy, what a woman and wife should think about, what she should eat, how should she spend pregnancy, uh, all the rules of uh, pregnancy and halal food and pure food and all these type of things. Then we have some things about miscarriage, then childbirth, congratulation, giving gifts, location of birth of delivery, cesarean birth, natural births, post-child, the adab and the laws after childbirth, ghusl, sunnah adhan, tahniq, shaving the head, aqiqa, uh, which is a sunnah, naming the child, that's a really, I'm just giving you the headings. Naming the child, that's a really important topic. Naming the child, we need a 15-20 minute discussion on the fiqh of naming the child. Because right now in this day and age, everyone thinks what's the most unique that never, nobody's ever heard, even though it sounds, the meaning is like absolutely ridiculous. Some crazy names people have. So what is the fiqh? And then another thing is everyone, a lot of people think that anything that sounds Arabic is an Islamic name. It doesn't, anything that sounds Arabic or is in Arabic doesn't become Islamic name. Islamic name is something else, Arabic name is something else. You could have in Arabic and you say Shams, but it's the same as saying sun. Shams means sun. So it doesn't mean, if you say in English, no, that's, that's not a good name. You say Shams, alhamdulillah, is a very good name. It's the same thing. Okay, so we have to, it's halal to keep your son's name, no problem. But if there's a better name than Shams. You want to call him a son? S-U-N, son. I'm saying not S-O-N. That's fine as well. So there's a whole fiqh behind naming of children. Okay, uh, and then we have al-khitan, circumcision, breastfeeding, all these type of things which we're not going to discuss here because we're talking about practical parenting and training that's in part two. So this is when you already have children and then all the way to raising them and when they grow up and reach a level of being married off. So <clears throat> alhamdulillah, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us this great ni'mah, gift. Children, we have to first and foremost realize there are great gift that Allah has given us. And that's why the first part here is good treatment. Okay, good treatment. If Allah doesn't grant anyone children as well, then of course everyone longs for children, but never lose hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Never become despondent, even though it's difficult. It, this is all in the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says in the Quran himself, It's Allah who creates everything. Everything belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some people he gives male children, some people he gives female children. And some he gives male and female. And some he keeps them barren. What this ayah is saying that it's absolutely normal for someone to have some only boys. And it is just like it is normal to have children, it is normal to have only boys, and it is normal to have only girls, and it is normal to have both, and it is normal to have no children. From the Quranic perspective 
It's absolutely normal. There is no defect. It doesn't mean there's a disease. Someone doesn't have children. There's something wrong. No. It's normal. It's like Allah has given some person a ni'mah of children. Some person hasn't got this ni'mah but might have another ni'mah. It's normal. So, but of course we want the ni'mah so we can make dua. And that's why the prophets made dua. Ibrahim alayhi salam did not lose hope in the mercy of Allah and in his old age some of the Mufassirun mentioned like he was nearly 100 when he was granted children and Zakaria peace be upon him as well in old age and it's it, you know Allah can grant children whenever he wants but it's not a defect and definitely not black magic or something like that the problem in our in UK is that every problem that occurs in a person's life sihr black magic and there's hundreds of people who are there, fraudsters, who are there waiting to make money from weak and vulnerable people. When we, you know, when we are weak and we've got problems in life, we'll turn and run to anyone who's going there to help. There's so many. It's a multi-million pound or dollar industry of making money through sihr, ilaj, and remedies, and this and that. It's a million pound business. And it's the greatest business in which there's fraud, great, sorry, it's a business in which the most fraud takes place on planet Earth. So honestly, this, I, I don't have time to go into this, but just be very, very careful. I tell people a lot about this. I mean, I need good 15, 20 minutes to discuss this, but honestly, don't waste your money. Allah has given you money, you know, build masajid and things like that, spend it on your own self, spend it on your children, but don't waste, waste your money on these large stuff. You know, no, the other thing is also there's a lot of waham, like, it becomes an illness, any problem. You know, once you get into this, your problems until Yawmul Qiyamah will never be solved. Because it's a mental problem. There's a woman, a spoon used to fall in the kitchen and she thinks someone's sitting in Punjab in, uh, or Hyderabad or somewhere sitting doing black magic for her. Anything, glass. Ah, see, this is bad luck and this, especially our sisters. They get very easily affected by this. They run to this person and that person and this babu and this ilaj and this remedy and they go back to India, Pakistan or whatever or whichever part of the world they come from and there's people making millions of pounds and they say, mm, yes, yes, something's, there's a jinn or there's a black magic. Half the time it's a mental health problem and there's no jinn. There's psychiatric treatment, there's mental health issue. We, just, we need to be intelligent Muslims. Muslims, sometimes we become unintelligent. We lose, you know, Allah has given us aql. Some things are clear. Why, why, we, you know, don't use our aql. So, I'm sure you guys are intelligent, and, but we shouldn't be gullible. Not let anyone take advantage of us. In, so, therefore, a lot of times people think, like just two weeks ago, there was somebody saying, I don't have children, and someone saying that someone was not happy with your marriage and jealous and they're doing black magic and that's why you can't have children. I said, Allah says in the Quran, Allah wants, there's so many people, Allah doesn't give children. Why does it have to be? And there's no proof to accuse someone of black magic with categorical, without categorical proof in itself is a sin. And these people tell you, I know who's done it, this one, this one. Where's your proof? This is buhtan. It's a major sin. You need four witnesses who see with their own eyes the person doing black magic. Clearly. And you know he's doing on this person. Then you can prove it. Other than that, this person, some person sitting somewhere through his magics or whatever, or papers and just, uh, yeah, okay, you've got jinn now. 
Oh, someone's done something. Okay, now I'll do. I'm the one who's telling you what the illness is, and I'm the one who's going to do the remedy, and I'm the one who's going to charge you. Anyway, I've, I know a lot of these people, how they work, etc. They use so many tricks. They'll tell you about you. They'll know. You say, oh, how did you know? They've got all the tricks in the world to know. How did they know? So many tricks. I'll, t I'll just mention one. There's one, one such person. He has people who work. They share the money. They go to the masjids. They talk to people. And you tell them their problems. Oh, I know somebody who's really good. This problem, go to him. And he's already told him, this person's going to come and this is the problem. And there was another place where the secretary, you go, you sit with him and, you, and he's just writing, okay, what's your issues? Okay, this is the issue. And it's good as a secret mic from there to the person inside, and he's listening to everything. And this person just sitting here says, Okay, this is your problem. Okay, take a seat. Um, and then time will come. Says, okay, brother, go inside and see the, whoever the sheikh is. Or who, and he'll say, so Look at his eyes. Ah, this, this is wrong with you. This is wrong with you. This is wrong with you. Wow, how does he know? Ilmul Ghaib. Only Allah knows Ilmul Ghaib. He's been listening. So anyway, I don't want to get off topic, but I, I can talk about this a lot because I've spoken on, on, on this quite a bit. So uh, I don't know what's okay. So therefore, let's look at Allah's given children. We need to value children. Children are a gift from Allah Most High given as a trust amana to parents. As such, at the outset, it is important to realize their worth and not consider them as a burden. Appreciating their value and status will enable parents to fulfill their other rights. This is where it starts from. Valuing children. This is, when we want to make tarbi and bring up our children, the first point is this. Consider children to be a ni'mah, a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number one. Number two, children are a amana, trust. Allah has given children as an amana, just like you give somebody as a trust, I give you, you know, my phone, can you please have look after it? And we say, okay, I need to look after it, I can't drop it, I need to give it back to you. Children are amana from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything that's coming later on after this is based on this. If we consider children to be a ni'mah from Allah and an amana from Allah, we appreciate and we don't take them as a burden. Because sometimes people get frustrated Children are troubling you. Oh, you know. So who told you to bring children then? Who told you to get married? If you got married, then now that's your responsibility. You're, Allah has given you this. You got married and you did whatever you wanted to do and you bought the children in the world. Now, this is, you have to. You have to take time out and you have to appreciate and You can't just say, okay, I want children and then oh, I, I can't tolerate children anymore. If you want children, then you, you have to go through sabr and patience and they are a great gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the first point is appreciating their value their, their you know like uh, their value in Urdu they say qadr you know, really appreciate them everything starts from there so when, when you have children young children always we should the parents should remind themselves that this is a ni'mah from Allah this is a great gift from Allah I have to really value and appreciate them and if we do that then all the other aspects of their rights will, we will able to fulfill if we have this valuation in our in our mind so that's the first point 
Remember, the, under this title, remember we said this is good treatment. This is the main heading, good treatment, and then valuing children. These are subcategories under good treatment. And because of, I've divided this into first good treatment, and then there's some other headings, but this is under good treatment. And then we'll come to tarbiyah. Part of the good treatment, expressing love and affection. One of the foremost rights of children is that, is that they are. Is that are treated? Yeah, I forgot the they there, sorry. One of the most, uh, foremost rights of children is that they are treated with love, affection, mercy, kindness, and empathy. SubhanAllah, I could never emphasize this enough. Never be stingy. And I'm sure you are not, alhamdulillah. But just, uh, this is all reminder for myself and for you. Never be stingy or miserly in expressing your love for your children. Never. There's, no, there's never, this is something that you can never give enough. Extreme amount of love. I will talk about discipline, etc. And even that is based on love. But this is sometimes, some parents, some, they fail to express because they don't have this, they've never expressed this, you know, they're introverts. But you have to change. Children, our children from a young age, they need love, they need affection, they need mercy, they need empathy, they need these things. If they don't find it at home, then they go outside and try to find it with friends. And then when they find it with friends, then they go in wrong companies and then whatever they do, they do, you know, they, they end up in wrong places. If we as parents make sure that there's, there's no, this is not empty in their life. Look, love, affection, similar things. Mercy is slightly different. This is showering them with mercy, rahmah. Okay? Kindness and empathy. Empathy is like listening to their concerns. Your, your, your child uh, fell down and... Uh, scraped his knee, for example. So you're there giving empathy, sympathy. Okay, it's okay. Spoil them a bit, no problem. Especially when they're young age, seven, eight. They, they need this, um, what's that word I'm looking for? Uh, they want, uh, you know, we say that they're looking for attention. Attention, yeah, that's what like the wives wives want attention like yesterday I was talking about the marriage talk women want attention children want attention and men have to give it no problem and inshallah when we grow older then the children will give you attention because this is what it, this is what happens we become children this is what happens you know when we're Young, when you have children, we need affection, all of this. When we grow old, then the parents become like children. Yeah, you see our older parents, they ask for so much attention. This is normal. When they get to 70, 80, they're small something, I've got flu, I've got this, and this is hurting, and my back is hurting, and this. And they want the children to just, oh, mom, dad, you know, okay. Yeah, yeah. They just want attention from the children. This is, this is subhanAllah, the, the, this is how Allah makes, you know, it's, you start from and you end up like the same way. In the middle we have a few years where we think we control the world. Anyway, that's another topic. So, 
give them all of this. All your child needs is your love. Children do not look. Children do not care about what they wear, what brand they have, what car parents drive, what career parents have. This is not. You see, we've misunderstood what empathy, love, kindness is. Okay, what career parent or the size of their house? They just want to be loved. Your seven-year-old child doesn't look at size of the house. Your eight-year-old. I'm not saying you shouldn't consider that, but this is not what they want. Like this is not this is not the basis. You could live in a small hut and give them love; they're happy. This is a very fundamental point. I just want to explain this briefly. We, many parents make a mistake when we say love, affection, kindness. We think it's in materialistic things. Yes, we have. We give them no time, nothing, no love expression. Here, money, toys, buy whatever you want. I've done my job. Just give them. I don't have no time. I'm working. I have no time. I'm traveling the world. I have no time. No time to sit with you. And we make them happy. Buy this. Okay, what do you want? Buy, 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 buy. Yeah, I've got enough money. Buy. And that's my love and kindness, affection. Completely wrong. This is not materialistic. There's actually been research done on this. Many years ago in UK, I was listening to this talk show or on the radio. They did a, there was a survey, they did a research in England, they did a survey, they went to school, many schools across the country. And they spoke to eight to 10 year old children. They asked them, what's one thing tell us that makes you the happiest in your like, life? What makes you happy? Some people, some people give different, different answers, toys, or my dad give me this, or my mom, or whatever, whatever. Majority, and this was a good percentage, majority, 70-80% of young children, 8 to 10, they said the thing that makes us happiest is when in the whole day, when the whole family, once in a day, mother, father, mommy, daddy, all of us, we all sit together over a meal and eat together and talk, that makes us the happiest. One meal a day is minimum, honestly. Any family, one meal as a family is minimum a day. If we can't do one meal, then I think we're losing the, the real, you know, like we're, we're missing the point. We think we're working for them, but then we, we're busy building a house, but not a home. It's a problem. You know, real home is relationships as a family. You have to have at least one meal, at least. We're like, we'll talk about it, um, you know, the gadgets, etc. we'll come to that, but I'll just mention this here, where you have at least an hour together as a family where there's no distraction. What do I mean by distraction? I have this rule in my house, and this will come later on. This time is short, I want to move fast, but we have, I have like one and a half hours technology-free zone in my house. And I'm the first one. I have to. My phone is not silent. It's switched off and gone over the table or somewhere. Everyone, children, there's no tablets, there's no games, there's no computers, nobody's phone, no mom, dad, nobody. For one and a half hours, technology-free zone. There's only one you know, house phone, which that's on if some emergency, somebody wants to call you, so we can go and pick that up. But everything's off. Laptops, computers, if you have televisions, whatever, completely off. Don't watch the news or anything. Talk. Talk physically with your wife. This is also husband, wives, brothers, sisters. Talk. You know, have you know the 
real relationships people used to have. This is why, you know, in the subcontinent and in many years ago, families were together because people used to have real relationships. You have a, such a beautiful country here. I mean, I'm just, this area, I, I've just come and seen, mashallah, such greenery in the summer. It's beautiful. We don't have this ni'mah in the UK. In the UK, if you come, it's a small place, narrow, narrow streets. If you want to go something like this, you have to travel somewhere. You know, you've got space, spacious homes, you know, driving, beautiful, you know, family, you sit in the garden, subhanAllah, amazing, as a family. So, therefore, parents, it's not about what, you know, cars parents drive, etc. They just want to be loved, give a lot, express, I'm saying here, express love and affection. Sometimes we love, but we don't express it. Don't be stingy, express it. Children crave for love, empathy, and guidance. If they don't find it at home, they will seek it elsewhere. I've already mentioned this. They crave for someone to give them attention. Look, regularly say to your child things like, I love you. This is expression. Say it. There's nothing wrong. Say to your child, I love you. you know, express it. You matter. All these words. Watch your child burst with self-worth. They'll feel important. With this, they will learn to appreciate themselves and others. And finally here, address your child with terms of affection and endearment such as my beloved. How you call your children. This is actually the sunnah of the Anbiya. If you look in the Quran, Ya Bunayya, Ya Bunayya, Ya Bunayya. For father is Ya Abati. Ya Abati li ta'abud. Ibrahim, peace be upon him, called his father. But if you see in the Quran so many places, Ya Bunayya la tadkhulu min babin wahid. So this is a, it's a, you know when children hear this, they have their names, but give them, you know, like, a, a, call them with uh, words of love and expression. There was this one sheikh from the subcontinent, he said, after his mother passed away, he would go and visit another sheikh, he said, I, I come to his house for two, two reasons. One is that there's lots of books, and this is my friend, and he's a big sheikh, because they were both great sheikhs, and I come to see him, and we learn, I come to learn from him and discuss some issues of deen. And the second reason I come is because, and they were, I think, cousins as well, this other sheikh, who was Mufti Shafi'i, rahimahullah, his mother used to call him, and this is, this is, some of you may have heard of him, I'll mention his name, he was from Pakistan, Sheikh Allama Shabir Ahmad Uthmani. So he used to say this. He was known as Shaykhul Islam. Yeah, he was one of the people who actually was in the uh, forming of Pakistan right in the beginning. So he was known as Shaykhul Islam. The whole world is calling him Shaykhul Islam and this and that. Al-Allama. He's written books, Sharaf, Sahih Muslim in Arabic. But he says, I, used to, I go special. This is when he's... The whole world calls me all sorts of titles. I don't have a mother to call me beta. So he says, I go to especially to Mufti Shafi Rahimullah's house that his mother's the only one who calls me. He doesn't call me Shaykh Allama, Beta, come, you know, son, my beloved son. I come specially to listen to that because the lutf and the pleasure you get in someone calling you, you know, Beta, you don't get that anywhere. Even when you grow old. So what about young people? So this is very, very important. Address them with love and affection. Uh, and when we do that, we'll see that uh, the child's the child's heart gets soft and is more readily 
more ready to accept nasiha with love if you tell if you tell them expressing this is a continuation of expressing love and affection these are just some points kiss your children regularly embrace them i'm sure you some of these things are just rep- repetitive is there a clock on the opposite side there's no clock here you need anyone from dar salam we, we need a clock yeah but, but there's a reason okay then i don't know but like you know when, when for a speaker speaking even yesterday i was thinking my time but then i'm looking on the wall down there because uh, what time do i have to yeah this is good alhamdulillah jazakallah because i don't have to keep on looking at my phone because then i know exactly because you mentally you know because we're going to we have to finish by around 12 so therefore um kiss your children regularly and embrace hug them with the intention of acting upon the sunnah of allah's messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam look listen this is such important this is another important aspect this sunnah is sometimes f- forgotten i will say one thing here all of this we do that because we love our children but more so in islam we do this because to make allah happy and it's a sunnah of allah's messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam you get reward You know there was one sheikh he said that look everything we should do for the sake of Allah with the intention of fulfilling the sunnah and you will be rewarded so he says i do tr- i've trained myself when i go to my house after i've come back from work i open the door i know who doesn't want you have young children 8 year old 10 year old first thing you want to go inside the house you want to hug kiss embrace your children more than even your wife or your husband Yes, you know, people say when you get children, you forget your husband and your wife. People, people ask me that you travel a lot. You know, is it difficult? I said the only thing I miss my children, alhamdulillah, more than anything. So, when you go inside the house, you want to embrace them and kiss them. He said, what I do is I wait outside the house, and I make, I think in my mind, I'm going to do that anyway. But this is a sunnah of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he used to pick up children kiss his children show love this and then i go and do it the whole act becomes an act of ibadah just the change of perspective our deen is all about changing perspective everything so kiss them regularly and this is a great sunnah sometimes some people they actually neglect this sunnah i've seen this uh, sunnah a lot in the arab community The Arab community have a you know mashallah the the kissing sunnah is there and with their children as well you know kissing on the forehead kissing on the hands kissing on the cheek or whatever you know they show they 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 kiss quite a bit if you look in the Arab community different parts of the Arab world the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam there's a hadith when even after his daughter grew up Fatima radiyallahu anha when she was married with Sayyiduna Ali ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu anhu when the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to go and visit her she used to stand up for him and come to the door kiss his hands and take him inside the house wa ajlasa wa ajlasahu ala makaniha her place where she sits at home make him sit there and vice versa when Fatima radiyallahu anha used to visit Allah's messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he would stand up for his daughter come to the door embrace her hold her by the hand and kiss her and make her sit in his place this is a hadith and his grandchildren the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to kiss hasan and hussein regularly once he was he kissed and there was a person aqra bin habis 
He said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, Inna li ashara. I have ten of these. Ma qabbaltu wahidam min haula. I have ten of these. I've not kissed one of them, not even one of them. The Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, Man la yarham la yurham. If someone doesn't show mercy, Allah will not, you know, you will not be shown mercy to. In another place, somebody saw the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam kissing not just his own children, young children. This is not just our own children. Honestly, make a habit. Give love to children. Come in the masjid when a child comes to you know meet you kiss their hands no problem kiss kiss them this this is this is a sunnah show them love so the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to kiss children so one villager he saw the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said innakum tuqabbiluna subyanakum like do you guys kiss your children we don't do that so allah's messenger, messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said aw amlik an naza'allahu ar-rahmata min qalbik that's not my problem. What can I do? Our amlik. That's a translation. Like, what can I do? It's not my fault. Not my my problem that Allah has taken away rahmah from your heart and compassion from your heart. That's you guys don't have compassion in your heart. And naza'allahu rahmata min qalbik. So, it's very important to kiss them, stand up for them. This is a sunnah of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Befriend your children with limits and occasionally participate with them in playing sports and games. This is another thing. They want friendship as well. I'm sure some of the young parents do that. You've got nice gardens here. Play, whatever. Play with them. Take part. Go to places and play games with them. Doesn't mean like when you grow up that, no, I can't play with them. No, no, no. Parents should play with them. Play games with them. It doesn't matter how big person you are or how big sheikh you become. I, I go to, I'm not a sheikh or big sheikh or anything, but I, alhamdulillah, I have to make sure that I, I go and take them to the park and I play soccer with them. You know, with, with, I have just one son, one daughter. And we, Sunday morning sometimes, one hour, I'll, I'll make sure play and teach him how to play soccer. So that, that is important. I sit down just before, the, when I came back, when I came here on Thursday night, um, the night before when they were sleeping, both of them, I, get, I had a game with them at home, you know, before the night because I was going to go the next day to so spend like good two hours, play different, different games. We had this, you know, this table soccer thing. So I let them win, of course. But sometimes I train my son and I let him lose because before the first time he used to lose, he to, couldn't take it. I said, you need to learn how to lose as well in life. So I made him lose a few times and now he is able to do sabr of losing. Otherwise, it's like every, every he lost the first time and he's getting angry. Why did I lose? I said, this is the, in life, you lose sometimes, you win sometimes. So all these things, play at home, spend time, games with them. Whatever different, different games. If they're playing a halal, good computer game, you know, take part. You become one player, you, your son becomes the other player, play, no problem. Inshallah, with the right intention, you get reward. This is also ibadah. This is not worldly activity. This is not worldly. In Islam, alhamdulillah, Allah has given a deen that nothing's worldly activity. Everything's deen, everything's deen as long as you make the intention right. I remember last, not this year, April, I was in New York this year, but last year in April I went to New York as well. I had a talk at St. John's University. So the students there, they made the title of the talk, Balance Between Deen and Dunya. How do we balance between our dunya, university, and deen? I gave a talk, I said this title, is, I went there, I knew this was a title and I wanted them to keep it so then I go and explain. I said this poster, this title is actually wrong title. Who told you this is dunya? 
the title should be balanced between one aspect of deen and another aspect of deen. Masjid is one aspect of deen, university is another aspect of deen. This is not dunya. This is what they think, oh, we're studying, this is dunya, dunya. I said, no, being a medic is not dunya. Being a doctor is not dunya. There's great rewards in being a doctor. It's an ibadah. You make an intention, then every, every day you're doing ibadah. You're going to work, that's ibadah. But anyway, that's another topic we can talk about that some other time. So, uh, what was I saying? Playing sports with them, games. This is also sunnah of Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is also the sunnah of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He used to play. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to play with the children. There's incidents mentioned that in the Muslim Ahmad, he used to line up children. Now, this imagine, who is this? This is not just some shaykh or alama or mufti or prime minister or president. This is Amirul Mu'min, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He used to go to, the hadith says, كَانَ يَصُفُّ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ وَعُبَيْدَ اللَّهِ وَكَثِيرٍ مِّن بَنِي الْعَبَّاسِ He used to make all these children stand on, in a line. The children of Banu al-Abbas and Abdullah and Ubaidullah and many others. And then he used to stand far and then he used to say, مَنْ سَبَقَ إِلَيْهِ فَلَهُ كَذَا Okay, let's have a race. Come on, let's see who gets to me first. Whoever reaches me first, then I'll give him this gift. And they used to all run to... فَيَسْبِقُونَ إِلَيْهِ وَيَقَعُونَ عَلَىٰ ظَهْرِهِ وَصَدْرِهِ They used to fall on his back, on his neck, on his head. This is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Just imagine. It's like, astaghfirullah, you know, my scarf's gonna get, I'm Rasul, I'm gonna go in the masjid, give a khutbah, you know, children, no, no, don't touch me. This is not, this is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He would visit the children and make salam to them first. وَيَمْسَحُوا رُؤُوسَهُمْ He would give salam first. Not child, you go to the child and give him salam first. Somebody asked the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, I have a very harsh heart. What can I do? He said, Imsah ru'usal yatama. Wipe the head, put your head, place your head on uh, place your hand on the head of Yatim orphan children. It'll remove harshness from your heart. So this is this is a very important part as well to play with them actively not and play with them actively not passively whilst you are glued to your email laptop or favorite show on tv this is the point you're playing with them but okay you got and this happens this happened to me as well you know children are very attentive very attentive they know if you're not giving attention yes i've done this once or twice but uh, you know i don't do it anymore because my son like he's he's about he's now he's eight he's about six years old i remember i'm playing with him and but then just one text message or something's come looking or something I'm not playing, I'm going. I said, what's, what's happened? Because you're looking at your phone. I'm not playing. You're looking at your phone. I said, sorry, sorry, sorry. I know, my mistake. I put the phone away. I said, I shouldn't have looked at my phone. He knows. I'm not playing with you. Like, are you playing with me? You know, never ignore your children. If they're talking to you and we're looking. Yeah, yeah. He said three times he said something to you or she said something to you. And we're busy with our phone. That's one of the worst things we can do. Don't ignore and nowadays husband and wives ignore one another because where you talk to your wife and she's on her whatsapp you said second time listen what's going on you just glued to her whatsapp whatsapp is a big problem especially for our sisters sisters are glued to the whatsapp you know because they like talking sisters so this is a good you know talking chit chat app alhamdulillah but we need to minimize that, honestly. Time is so short, especially our sisters 
I know you like talking, but you know, try to minimize it. Some things you don't need to be part of groups. What are you doing? Oh, alhamdulillah, good. Now what are you? I've just I woke up. Now what's going on? Oh, I, uh, yeah. What are you cooking? Um, today is pizza or biryani or rice. How much? So you know, it's just you know the conversation that takes place in two hours. Whilst uh, it, with messaging, if you picked up the phone, you could have spoken about that in ten minutes. You know, there's one message, then the other message. Message, message, message. Five-hour conversation with somebody. Try this. Look at all the text. Put it together. Print it out. Tell two people. Pick the phones up. One person, read from the script. How are you? I'm okay. Just read it, you know. It'll take you about 20 minutes. Just speak on the phone. Done. Why spend five hours text, 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 text? Time is so precious. This is another topic. So anyway, uh, not passively, whilst you are glued to your email, laptop, or favorite show on TV. Avoid anger and constantly yelling, scolding, and swearing at children on small matters. They will begin to resent you. This is bad as well. This, we shouldn't do this. Very important that we shouldn't constantly, constantly yell at them. Every issue, yelling and scolding. Disciplining is something else. I'll come to that. Small, small matters. They will begin to resent you, number one. They will feel useless. Number two, they will feel inferior. Sorry, are you, uh, that was a mistake. Yeah, they will feel, begin to resent you, feel useless, inferior, and some cases suicidal. There are cases suicidal. It's not nice to keep every day yelling at children, scolding them. On small, small, the messenger, small, small matters. Allah's messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, never lifted his hand on children. Never. How could he? You know, if Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would never be able to would never be able to lift his hand on children. He was just what we call a gentleman. This is what we call a gentleman. Gentleman, we've we've mis misunderstood what masculinity really is. Yesterday, in, in the talk, I was talking about. Men being men. That doesn't mean that you're angry and aggressive. Some people think being a man is, yeah, show you're a man. Yeah, you know, I'm a man. That's not really man. The hadith says, لَيْسَ الشَّدِيدُ بِسُرْعَةِ إِنَّمَا الشَّدِيدَ الَّذِي يَمْلِكُ نَفْسَهُ عِنْدَ الْغَضَبِ The real shadid, uh, brave, like a manly person is someone who is able to control himself. Not angry and small, small matters. Children do that. A real man is someone who is able to control. You are able to control the situations. You have helm and sabr and patience and compassion. And that's why men should be gentle. Gentle ladies and gentlemen. Or ladies, or ladies and rough men. So this is why this is very important. The Messenger وسلم, never raised his hand. Some of the scholars, like there's one scholar we've mentioned, a lot of people have mentioned him in this retreat. Hakim al Sheikh Ashraf Ali Tanwi Rahimahullah He's a great scholar for the subcontinent Not because some people don't know of him Not everybody's heard of all the scholars in the world So he was a scholar from the subcontinent A major scholar He would say in his books is written and he would generally say That Hitting children repeatedly And oppressing them I don't know how this sin can be forgiven I don't know how this sin can be forgiven Because they are non-Balik They haven't reached puberty Six, six, seven years old. They're not even ahl. They don't even 
have the ahliya or the capability to forgive you because they're not at that level. Allah knows best how the sin will be forgiven. So it's very important. Those children whose parents treat them badly, they actually then, this happens, they actually will become, they will feel useless and inferior. This inferiority complex will set in. My parents always, don't keep on, I think I'll mention this, but if you keep on telling, talking to them negatively, you're like this, you're like that, you're like this, you're like that, they'll feel inferior. They'll think, yeah, I am useless. They're going to do something outside, they'll do something bad. I'm bad anyway. My dad's been telling me every day that you're useless anyway. My brother's good. I'm useless. So one more useless thing. Alhamdulillah. That's, that's how they think. It's like I'm, I'm useless anyway. So scolding, swearing, don't do this. You know, we have to be very, very careful. I mean, I can talk about this as well, but time is short. This does not mean spoil your children. If there is a need to discipline them, then do not hesitate. And I've got a whole section on disciplining. But discipline them with love, compassion. Explain the reasons of why something is wrong in a calm and composed manner. You know, when something is wrong, no, hey, what are you doing? No, not like that. In England, we have a problem. Alhamdulillah, I've seen this in the North America. Mashallah, it's good. It's better than England. You know, you have children. Look, mashallah, you've got children in the masajid. And, you, you know, masajid are friendly towards children. Inshallah, I hope so. Gener generally what I've seen. I mean, I've been here a lot of times. No, not, not this masjid. I'm saying in the North America. When I say North America, Canada and America. Many, many times. In about 10, 12 years, I've been to North America. I was just telling the brothers about 25 times. Or more than 30 times about. Canada, I've been about at least 20 times. Just in 10, 12 years. So, I've seen this generally. In England, we have a problem. Some masajid don't even allow children under the age of 8. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, masjid, children used to come, they used to play. You know, if they can't play in the masjid, where are they going to play? And then when they come, some of the elderly people, you know, shut up, you know, children, what's happening? Get, get them out. You know, no children in the mosque, you know, frustration. Outside, you know, children are thrown at the back or, you know, take your children away and no disturbance. It's okay, children. Okay, let's. Of course, they shouldn't disturb in salah, but have a, have a place where they can enjoy themselves. If masjid doesn't have to only be. It doesn't have to be a library. This is another understanding. You know, this fiqh of you can't talk about dunya. There's a whole fiqh behind that. It's not as we think. It has to be everything. Has to be absolute. You can't say nothing. Children can't. Then we have the prayer hall. Then there's other rooms. There's a whole rules behind all of this. The Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam's masjid used to be a center, center for everything. There used to be Darul Rifta, there used to be Darul Qada, there used to be judiciary, marriage problems being solved, everything, and everything in one place, and everything used to happen, and families would come, and this is the real spirit of the masjid. But anyway, another topic, let's leave it for another time. Um, this does not mean spoil your children. If there is a need to discipline them, then do not hesitate, but with love and compassion. With love, discipline them. Look, beta, son, ya bunaya, my beloved. No, this is not nice. You know, in a nice way, give them examples. Maybe show them things, why this is wrong. Talk to them. Why, you know, what they've done is wrong. Like, for example, if they're being selfish, or if they're, you know, my, my, I'll give an example. This just example came in my, my head. My, um, my son, and I have a daughter. So my son, like, you know, 
uh, this is about two years ago. Of course, he's, he's older, so he, was, he wasn't sharing things, and you know, he's like, whatever she gets, I want it, and he's grabbing from her, and she's young. So I had to try to explain to him that sharing is caring, caring is sharing, you know, you don't do all these things, you know, you, don't, you should look after your sister, and you don't be selfish. So what I did was, I took him to a small park. And we went to the park, we saw goats. There was, I, knew, I knew, because we've been there a few times before, and I know that there's two goats in there, and one is very aggressive to the other one, I knew that. It doesn't share anything. So I went, and we were looking, and then we were feeding. So that there's a bigger goat and a smaller goat. So we were feeding, I said, come on, let's feed, let's give food. And then I said, look, the small one can't eat. So he said, yeah, yeah, why is this, let's go and give the small one. And then when we were giving to the small one, the big one comes, and, and the, the small one's running away, frightened. I said, this big one is not letting the, this is so sad. He goes, yeah, it's sad, look how bad it. I said, this is what you do at home, Azar. This is his younger sister. He's not giving no food. He's scratching his head. And then we went home. The next time we did that, I said, do you want to be a goat? Oh, no, no, I'm not a goat. Yeah, yes, here, this is. <laughs> I'm not a goat. I am sharing. We are human beings, alhamdulillah. We think about our sisters and brothers. So this is just a random example that just came to mind. I'm sure you guys have some examples as well you can think of. But these kind of things, you know, teaching them with... Um, Discipline them with love, explain the reasons of why something is wrong in a calm and composed manner and offer solutions. Avoid excessive criticism. Uh, please, this is so important. Do not keep on criticizing your children. Some children are slow. That isn't, there's nothing wrong. You know, sometimes some parents, this will come, they, uh, about, I'm talking about being just between children. Yeah, let's leave it to that. Uh, but avoid excessive criticism and definitely do not compare them with other children or give examples of others. This is so common, especially in the Desi community. His son, look, look what he's doing in school. What are you doing? Please don't do that. Honestly, every person is different. Every child is different. No one's comparing us as parents. Imagine if the children start comparing. Oh, look at my friend's dad. Look, look, mashallah, he's like this. And look, your dad, are you a good dad? Imagine our children start comparing us with others. This comparing issue is one of the biggest problems in our lives. If you want peace in life, stop comparing marriages, women, stop comparing your husbands, don't stop comparing your houses, stop comparing what your husband gives you and your friend's husband has given. Do not do that, otherwise you'll be miserable all your life. A lot of sisters have this problem, comparing, oh, my friend's husband took her to holiday. So what? Like your husband's talking to you here, probably she, he never talks. He smiles, she, he, her husband probably doesn't smile. Everyone's got a different life. Apparently everyone looks, you know, everyone likes to look good. And another problem is this Facebook. Everyone likes to post, oh me and my wife and husband, we're so happy having a meal. And mashallah, cute couple and all of this. Why do you want to show the whole world whether you're cute or you're in love? Keep your love to yourself. You know, this is another problem. Everyone wants to share. Baby comes into the world before even the adhan in the ear. Face, you know, on Facebook picture. Have you asked permission from this young child, baby, coming to the world? Already on the world, pictures are there. But this, this is a big problem. You know, do not put too many pictures, especially of personal life. Alhamdulillah, I resisted putting my children anywhere. And I have like a whole, you know, Twitter page. Lots of people, lots of people follow. Never, I don't bring, it's, personal life is something else. And your, pub, you know, your professional life is something else. But there was only once, because it was just, my son was sitting in my office like trying to answer fatwas, you know. I have a daralifta and he's he saying, he was pretending, he said, Asalaamu Alaikum, yes, uh, can I help you? 
and you know he was wearing he, what, he was, what he did was he wore my scarf he put my glasses on and he took my hat and he was trying to act like me so and he says I'm a mufti right now and he's answering questions but I took that picture and I just put that up because it was, it was just quite funny but this is, this is a problem a lot of people compare Number one, you know, not everybody will be happy. People will be jealous, like, and then they'll start, oh, look at those two, they look so much in love. You know, especially women are affected by this quite easily. Oh, those two, look at their marriage. But nobody knows in the internal life of others, nobody knows. Everyone's different. Everyone's different. So stop comparing, giving examples of others, especially with children. Look at him, look his, look how much he's studying. And look at you, you've left behind. We are, we all, I'm guilty, we're all guilty of this. Straight away, when I remember, when I, even amongst your children, don't do that. You call your brother. If you keep on favoring one, and this is the next point, treat all your children justly. Treat them all justly. Equally and justly. Due to, treating them unjustly due to gender, appearance, intelligence, or any other reason. Look, gender. I talked about this, I think, in the marriage talk. This is one of the greatest crimes ever you can make. Favoring a boy over a girl. Or girl over a boy. Allahu alam. But this is a jahiliya practice. You, they used to favor boys over girls. You know, I mentioned this. Prophets are all initially the fathers of girls and daughters. So this, due to gender, treating them unjustly is a major haram. It's sinful. Appearance. Sometimes this happens. Subhanallah. I'm just shocked. You know, I've read some of these things and I know these things happen and I've, because people contact me as well. There's one sister who told me that until she was like old, in, this is a sister, many years ago somebody emailed me in her 20s, 30s or something, that her parents treat her badly because of her appearance. She's not as beautiful as her other sisters. So her mother, because my mother just. She, she hates me, she doesn't think I'm, she doesn't treat me well because I don't look, I'm not, I'm not white enough. This is a subcontinent desi disease. Color. Safed ya nahi. What is this? You know, there was this face lightening cream. Yeah, in England, a new product came out, face lightening cream in the superstores. As soon as it came out, all the desis are lining up. What is this color? Subhanallah. You ask in England, I know, a lot of the British English people, they actually like darker skin. They like, they go tan, we like darker skin. And we are what? White, 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 white skin. There's not, I'm saying dark, white, nothing's like, inna akramakum la fadla li arabin ala ajami inna kalasta bi min ahmar wa la aswad. Whether you're white or black, there's no difference. Illa anta fadlahu bi taqwa. You could be Bilal radiallahu anhu, or you could, you could be white, you could be black. So this skin, some people due to appearance, intelligence, that's another issue. One child of yours is more intelligent. So you, just, you see, these are human things. You might just subconsciously start favoring. Remind yourself, I have to be just. Why? Because Allah's Messenger sallallahu said, Ittaqullaha bayna awladikum. Fear Allah regarding your children. Fear Allah and be just. There was a companion, Nu'man bin Bashir radiallahu anhu. He came to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa He said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm giving all my children gifts. I want you to be a witness. So Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa said, Okay, inshallah, I'll come. 
But then he asked, Awa kulla waladika nahalta mithlahu? Have you given all your children the same gift? He said, no. He said, then I'm not going to be a witness. Then leave me out. فَإِنِّي لَا أَشْهَدُ عَلَىٰ جَوْرٍ I don't be a witness on oppression. Have you given everybody the same gift? Or at least the same value? So we have to be very careful in... That doesn't mean you get obsessive that, okay, I gave like exactly this much water and someone gave this much, you know. Something's a common sense. One brother got obsessive after reading up on this. He says, oh, I gave like, you know, exactly, I'm so scared because I gave a bit less, bit more. No, general, like some things you can't be. But, you know, what makes sense, you be just with your children. And also in your treatment, in your treatment of them. Sometimes, you know, parents have a bad habit of repeatedly praising one child in front of the others. Yeah, one child, you just keep on praising, praising, just because he became a doctor and the others didn't, so that's it. You know, everything, oh, this, him, oh, our doctor, oh, mashallah, the intelligent one. You know, the other children, they'll think, are we useless here or what? They will feel, they'll feel jealous, number one. They'll feel useless. They'll think, oh, parents, just, they just love him. They just favor him all the time. Parents, you know, it's, it's, it's such a difficult thing to be parents. You know, having children is like having multiple wives, which doesn't happen here right now. It's not going to happen ever in North America. That's another topic. But you know how we say that if you have more than one wife, how it, uh, what's the ayah? Someone, you know, you can only get married more than once if you are absolutely just. Yeah, yeah. The Quran says, if you can't be just, then only one. Exactly the same. Your children, you, if you can't be just, just have one. And that as well, there's another ruling on this. Though. Can you only have one birth control? I have a book on birth control abortion as well. They're being sold. I've got a, I wrote it a long time ago. Whether you can practice birth control, contraception, and all the rules of abortion. But anyway, it's like that. You have to be, it's, it's very, very like, delicate how we be just with our children. So constantly praising. Whether it's gifts, financial support, general conduct, treat them all equally. Constantly praising. Yeah, you can do it now. Go, go ahead, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. alaikum. Sorry for the disturbance. Just uh, one announcement. Uh, the, the parallel session that's taking place downstairs for the youth has already started. So I know that some people were a bit confused. So the youth that are here, you can make your way uh, downstairs for that program, which started some time back, uh, both on the men's side as well as the sister's side. Jazakumullah khaira. The topic of that is uh, sacrifices and uh, facing challenges. So, Moana uh, Tamim is downstairs for that program. Jazakumullah khaira. Here we want parents, or just a, you know people who are about to be parents, inshallah. Because the children don't want to... Remember I was saying yesterday, you don't want to hear about your rights. You don't have about your responsibilities. Children will be here, then they'll go home and then tell the dad, yeah, yeah. he's heard everything, dad. <laughs> so children, you should be not here. You don't listen to all this. This is only for daddy and mommy. <laughs> for, for the children, there's another topic. Yes? Is that your son? No. He's, he's, yeah. Jesus just saw him, yes. For you, there's ita'atul walidain, loving, respecting your parents, giving, you know, everything for your life, for your parents. That's a whole topic on its own about parents. That's something else. 
Islam is a balanced deen. This is why, alhamdulillah, it's not just one side. Yes, it's not just about the parents, it's not just about the children, it's just not just about the husbands and not just about the wives. Well, in North America, it's just about the wives. But it's not just about one spouse. So constantly praising one child over the other results in the latter having an inferiority complex. If you keep on praising one child, then they'll have inferiority complex. This is all part of good treatment. I'm coming to education and tarbiyah, but time, I need to move fast. Uh, learn, wait, wait a minute, treat your children all equally. Okay, what was before that? Okay. Learn the art of arbitration. So when you're, when you're treating them equally, you have to learn the art of arbitration. When children quarrel, yeah. Try and diffuse the situation by explaining to all parties the detestability of arguing and quarreling and the positive of, positives of mutual love and harmony. So you're trying to treat them. Now, they, there might be cases where children will fight. And remember, this is not just children. Some of these things are even for your grown-up children. Like you're in your 70s or 60s. You might have your 30-year-olds. Yeah? They are fighting, arguing about something. There's a dispute. How do you diffuse it? As parents, we have to learn the art of arbitration. You have to be a qadi, like a judge. You, need, you have to learn arbitration. It's, it's a challenge. You have to diffuse the situation by explaining to all of them the karaha, the detestability of arguing, quarreling, and the positives of mutual love and harmony. If there is a need to arbitrate, it is important to be extremely cautious and don't take sides. Be with the haqq. If someone's wrong, but don't take just sides. And if you, you know, if you can, just try to explain without showing that you're, real, you're just favoring one side. Never make a decision after only listening to one side of the story. Never do that. And if it's younger children, some parents, they just, you know, young children are fighting. You just go there, hit both of them, bang, bang, both of them. That's the worst thing you can do. Don't know. This one, you, you. But this is going to make them do this more. If they are fighting about a toy or something, then remind them of the goats, like I told you. You know, that's what I do. But explain to them. Listen, look, sit down. Change their mindset. Okay, what's going on? Okay, I've got ice cream. Both. I've, what have I got in my hands? That's what I do. I say, you both, what are you arguing about? I've got something better in my hand. Okay. Who wants it? I want it. I want it. I said, okay. Whatever. Give this to your brother and give this to your sister. Okay. And remember, I, had, I have something here. Yeah, that's another thing. You can't lie. There's a hadith. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. there was a woman who had, her son wasn't coming. And she says, come to me, come to me, I'll give you. And she put her hand behind her back. Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam was there, saw her, said, have you really got something in your hand to give? She said, yes, O Messenger of Allah, I've got dates in my hand. And I have made the intention that if he comes, then I'll give him dates. He said, then alhamdulillah. If you, didn't, if you hadn't had dates in your hands, then this would be lying and this would be khilaful wa'd. You know, the first day I gave a talk about promise, this would be a sin. Don't lie to your children as well. Because they think if, if you lie to them, they think lying is fine. My dad lies, lying is fine. Because this is coming as well. You know, tarbiyah, we have to uh, practically train them. So... This is the learner of the uh, arbitration. Spending quality time, I've already talked about this. I want to go fast because time is short. I've already talked about this briefly. Remember that survey I told you? Spending time, time. This is one of the most important things. Spending quality time. One of the most important factors in creating a strong bond between parents and children is quality time spent together. Do not underestimate this. You know, this is really important.
time with children give them quality time quality time means you're not focused on your phone you know with full attention it is the single most and this is not just islamically even many psychologists and you know there's books written there are professionals who have written books on parenting some of these things i've read books on not just islamic books i've read some books there's good islamic books as well of course and some things but i've read some other books as well and a lot of this you know is from some of the other books of from people who are experts in in parenting so it is the single most important point supported by strong evidence that results in the well-being of the child i'm just going to read this because time is short do not let work careers jobs and busy lifestyles get in the way of this why are we earning if we're earning for our children they want time and they want love and they want empathy we sometimes like i always say we are busy building home houses but then we don't build a home it's better to have a smaller home but have good relationship spending time with your children than having a massive house where you, you know you don't see each other because you're too busy this life is short you need connection with your family people around you give time to your children this is really really important sadly there is a great deal of negligence in this regard in our age of materialism and digital technology there's two things materialism prevents personal contact because everyone we live in a materialistic world we're not content and happy with what allah has given us that's another topic i can do a whole talk on that about you know what is love of dunya what is contentment what is like you know how achieving happiness what's real happiness in is happiness really in materialistic things or is happiness is something else you know peace and tamanina and sukoon and and happiness is something else and having the means of happiness is something else altogether look there's a difference i'll just mention this one is a raha one is asbabur raha raha is peace and happiness asbabur raha are the means somebody means like a house money wealth cars that's asbab means of happiness but means of happiness is not happiness itself sometimes you could have all the means of happiness but you're not happy and sometimes you can't you don't have means of happiness but you're happy it's something else happiness is a nema it's a gift from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala i just mentioned this one thing i was in uh, denmark once which is in europe uh, and we were sitting having food and one of my teachers who's from pakistan sheikh mufti taqi uthmani hafizullah he was there as well they invited him so we were sitting so we, they were talking about so one brother he, he was making comment he said sheikh said to him that there's a survey here in denmark that the danish people are the happiest people in the whole of europe norway i've been to norway many many times you know norway the scandinavian it's, it's a very nice country norway uh so this is the happiest place people the happiest in the whole of europe then another brother said the sheikh there another survey came out as well that the suicide rates are a lot in denmark as well so what's happening so i asked him i said uh, this this is uh, you know it's a bit what's happening like is the contradiction maybe it's wrong or what's happening brothers you know survey he said i said i said do you, is do you think are you sure brother they both because there's both surveys So then he made a comment he said actually what i understand is the first survey is a survey on the means of happiness and the second survey is on real happiness 
The Danish people are happiness. In, they looked at means. They looked at job prospects. They looked at money. They looked at cars. They looked at homes. They looked at how much money people have. So they made it the happiest people. Second survey is looking at real happiness. People are depressed. They're committing suicide despite having wealth. Two different things. So therefore, real happiness comes with relationships, with deen, with Islam, with personal relationships, with family, with children, spending quality time, with fellow brothers, being in the massage. This brings real happiness. Real happiness is something else. Making dua to Allah, dhikrullah, which is Anyway, that's another topic as well. Let's just leave that because there's so many topics coming to my head. But I'm just um, so this age of materialism and digital technology. And the other thing is digital technology that what that stops us having quality time. Digital technology, like I said, you know, try to avoid that. Both parents must try and spend as much time as possible with children. Both parents. Look, this is another thing. The absence of fathers due to long hours of work, travel, social life, or divorce can be detrimental to a child's development. Absence of both parents, not just the mother, even the father. Now, of course, one will be able to spend more. The worst is, the worst situation is when nobody is spending time because the mother is busy working. Like I said in my marriage talk yesterday, that the women have become half men in our, in our countries, in these countries. You know, in the olden times, women never used to be. I mean, I know some things are politically correct and correct. I mean, sorry, but this, this is what it is. So no time. The mother's out, the father's out, out. Children are looked after by the nanny. I mean nanny, not nani. Yeah? If it's a nani, then it's good. Your mother's mother is, alhamdulillah, she's your mother. Okay? But nanny, you pay a babysitter. Nobody's got time. That's the worst. At least one parent should be able to, you know, look after. Of course, they go to school and things like that. But then, you know, you need, you need that every day spending time with them. And fathers as well, due to long hours of work, I know especially in North America, it's, more, I can, it's easy in England. Like I said, England is like a small, it's like smaller than your state. So it's easy. You know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, people go anywhere. Here you have, you know, just one place to another, it's like 45 minutes. So I can understand it's difficult. But as much as you can, you, you know, people work two hours away, three hours away. It is difficult, okay? I, I'm not saying it's easy. But as much as you can, then try to make it up on the weekends at least, spending quality time at least. And try to have one meal. You know, one meal if you can. I really encourage that. One meal together as a family is very important. Sadly, there is a great deal of negligence in this. In our, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, the absence of I've read this as well. Be more concerned about building a home than building a house. I've already said that. Make, make eye contact with children. Look at them in the eye when they speak. Stop everything you are doing and be present. I told you, they realize. I told you about my son. You know, they know. You know, children, are, they're very clever, sharp. They know that you're not giving attention. They are quick to work out if you are taking interest in them or not. And if you are not, you are not only breaking their heart, but also dis distancing yourself from them each time you do this. You're distancing yourselves from your children every, each time you don't give them that attention. These are young children when they're seven, eight, you know. Show children that you care. This is all about quality time. Take interest in their affairs. If not, they will find comfort in other things. Putting children, this is the worst thing, putting children in front of TV screens. Now our babysitting is done by TV. Parents, because we, we, we don't have time, it's so difficult, How many, we can't give time to children. Put the TV on. That's it. 
There's so much harm, so much harm in some of the TV programs, seriously. You, if you want your children to watch some shows here and there, you should do a proper research, look what is, you know, like what's going to be harmful, what's not going, I mean it's best, but I'm just saying if some people, I don't know, somebody might give fatwa or something, I'm not giving any fatwa or anything, but I'm just saying if somebody is going to watch something, be careful, find out, you know exactly what they're watching. Exactly which show, what, how, how much psychological effect is there in this particular show? Yes, there was one program, Peppa Pig. Have you heard of Peppa Pig? We have this in England. I saw this and I went on YouTube. And you know, my, my daughter was watching this. She liked it. And, and then I just, I wanted to see why. Once she started watching two, three times on YouTube, uh, this Peppa Pig, I had a look. I said, let me, I need to check this out. I, I, I vet everything before they're allowed to see that program. And I looked and you know, the message that was given in a hidden form was a very bad message. So that was banned. So you have, to be, you have to know what message is being given in any particular program. Putting children in front of TV screens, PCs, tablets is neglecting one's parental responsibility. And please, children, for the sake of Allah, for the sake of Allah, do not give your children phones at a young age. One of the worst things. We think we're doing good to them. This is my personal opinion. This is not an eye of the Quran, so you can disagree. Okay? This is not a hadith, but this is my personal opinion. I am thinking my son will not have a mobile phone until he's about 18 or 20. 20 at least. 18 at least or maybe 20. 20. At a click of a button, you can see graphic porn on a mobile phone. How can you let your children have that? And then we complain that this, then this, and they've gone there. and they've... At a click of a button, do you know how easy it is in the olden times? It was very difficult. It's a click of a button. Sometimes by mistake it happens to grown-ups. Yesterday, this one, we were sitting with some of our imams and shuyukh, you know, guests. And there's one of the imams was saying that he has Gmail for many, many years. He said, with that, he goes two times, uh, you know, Gmail. And he said he went to uh, like a graphic porn site. Click of a button. Don't give them their mobile phones. Don't, don't spoil them. Maybe if you want to give them a game console or something, fine, at home. Okay, they can play games and you vet what kind of games they are playing. Even the PC, do not give them their own internet access private at home. That's, don't. If you want internet at home, of course you, know you, you need internet at home. And children need to do their homework, school work, whatever. Have the internet, the computer in a main central room. Not in their private bedrooms. Have it where? Downstairs, living room, where it's a, you know, people can use, people are walking past. And when you do that as well, what you should do is make sure the screen is not like how I'm sitting here, you know, against the wall. The table should be against the wall and the screen is like this. Anyone just walks past, they can see what's happening in the screen. It's very, very important. And regularly, you know, parental control on, on these things. You have to be on... And this is not just Islamic things. These are common sense. Non-Muslims. There are so many non-Muslims who practice all these things because they care about their children. So many non-Muslims, they're very particular about these things. Some of them are very... They, they would not give their children phones until mobile phones, or you call them cell phones here. Yeah. Smartphones, especially. 
it's the more we you know the more we advance in technology the greater the challenge our parents my parents never had challenge my my dad's challenge with me was that i used to just you know be a very naughty boy in the masjid but our challenges different cuz in my time there was no phones smartphones so new challenges for new parents this is a big challenge big challenge even you know like being glued to tablets tv screens is bad for, mentally for them as well there's actually psychologists and medics and doctors and then you might some of you might know this you might be doctors or whatever there's research done on this how detrimental constantly you being glued to screens how detrimental and harmful it is for your brain there's research has done on this been done on this so it prevents parental attachment prevents real life human touch and you are seriously risking a good future relationship with your children because you have simply let them down from a basic human need i.e. real life touch sound talk and comfort real need is real you know real life touch sound not artificial virtual i've mentioned this at least have one family meal together so i'm just going to i'll just read it quickly in addition healthy to spend time together as a family weather for shopping today's weather's good walk in the park or a picnic family time in front family time in front of tv is not family time that's not family time you need to talk and take interest in each other to develop a healthy relationship try and set try and set a daily tech free zone where pcs mobiles tablets game consoles are banned to allow quality family time together mothers listening downstairs or whatever they are do not allow whatsapp to get in the way of your relationship with your child i hope mothers are listening to this i mean even fathers but you know mothers have a more of a problem sorry where is this yeah ensure children's physical i'm going to try to move fast ensure children's physical well-being it is important for parents to actively take measures in ensuring that their child is healthy fit and alert even physical well-being yes and i'm sure most of you you take care of that you know the healthy what they eat healthy food healthy diet encourage them to take part in sports and uh, physical exercise like swimming these things of course we all know this be involved in your child's diet from the beginning uh cook food at home again this is a big issue really i'm not saying it's haram to eat outside but seriously try to eat more home cooked food this it's different a food that is cooked by the mother or the father or anybody at home with love with the name of allah with zikr has it's completely the barakat the blessings are completely different i've got a whole like a talk on motherhood all these great people who became great people their mothers fed them gave them food you know what type of what they think of what they recite some of the great people who became great people in our salaf imam bukhari and all these great people their mothers used to make dhikr of allah whilst cooking food and that's why they became like that if the mother is going to cook food and watch bollywood movies then your son will become a bollywood actor yeah, it's going to impact you know what you do when you're pregnant when you cook food what you think about if you're listening to haram music then that's going to affect children that's why all of this starts as i just told you i didn't put part 1 in these 
it all starts from beginning. You know, we suddenly wake up after 22 years, my son's got a girlfriend or he's doing this. Yes, father, where were you for 22 years? It started, it's, we have to blame ourselves. Suddenly he's doing haram things and he's disobeying and he's doing this and he's left the path of Islam. Well, your tarbiyah should have started when, even before your child came into the dunya. Even before that, when your wife was pregnant, when the mother is pregnant, there's laws. It has to start from there. That doesn't mean if you didn't do that, then now, no, inshallah, you can start whenever. Because sometimes, oh, I didn't do it, and now my child's three years old. No problem, inshallah. Whenever you start, but it, you have to start. So, uh, cook food at home. Junk food, try to avoid junk food, because that's junk food. Junk food is junk. Junk mail, yes, junk food. Uh, cook food at home and inculcate the habit of preferring home-cooked meals. Avoid or minimize restaurant and takeaway meals. Sorry if somebody has a business. Yeah. Restaurants and takeaways. <laughs> no problem, inshallah. Allah will send somebody else. Everyone needs some time to eat from there. Especially junk and sugar snacks. Diet directly affects behavior. It's, you are what you eat. Give them rich, wholesome, good foods with little sugar. You know all of this. I'm not a doctor anyway. Artificially processed foods have the same negative effects. As, yeah, look, artificially processed foods. The experts and the medics will tell you this. Have the same negative effects as drugs, addiction, withdrawal, resulting in low mood and being relatable. So these things, you know, healthy food, etc., are very important. I'll do this quickly as well because time is short. Financial support. I'm sure you don't need... I think everybody financially, you guys really take care of your children financially. So that's not really. But there's some things, father's responsibility to financially support the children in terms of daughter, this has to be provided. This is, she has to be provided until she's married off, whilst for a son until he reaches puberty and is able to work and provide for himself. Technically speaking, it's only that much. But generally, we don't stop there until they're able to, you know, sort of start working themselves, etc. It is better to support them beyond that until he is settled in life with a job. One of the highest forms of spending in the way of Allah and charity is to spend on one's family. Charity begins at home, literally. You know, alhamdulillah, we give charity, but sometimes we forget charity is at home as well. Highest form of spending and charity is your family. Spend with the sole intention of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And not for showing off. Or considering it an investment. Also, don't consider... Investment for akhirah, yes. But this is not an investment just for the dunya. That look, I spend now, then he spends on me. and you know, Do it for the right intention. Make sure to earn... Yeah, this is very important. Halal. That's another topic on its own. And spend on your children from halal income. The food should be halal on the table. The food you put on the table must be from halal earnings. Otherwise, it will have a negative impact on them. That's another topic as well. You know what, the, the food that we bring on our children, if we eat halal and tayyib food, then the akhlaq and character is good based on that. Spend on children freely, but at the same time, uh, avoid spending in haram activities, wasteful expenditure. Don't overspend. And, you, know, you need to tell them as well, look, you can't get everything in life. This, you're not going to get this. So uh, there's no need to spend thousands on weddings, etc. Teach your children to live simple lives. And many items belonging exclusively, this is a fiqh ruling to the child, must be handled carefully. It is generally not permitted to gift, loan out, or give these in charity, except even with the consent of the child. This is a bit more detailed, it's a fiqh issue, but let's just leave that because I need to. SubhanAllah, time is very short. Like, look at this, that was just a, a, a you know, good treatment. Sound tarbiyah, I'm going to do this quickly now. 
there's about four or five pages left. I think we can, how many minutes do we have, like another 15 minutes? Well, at least, at least, because we started late. It's 11.58 now? About 10 minutes. Yeah, I think we, instead of, I think we were supposed to start at 10.15, but I think uh, we started at nearly 10.45. So we were half an hour late, so I should get another half an hour. But anyway, tarbiyah, okay, tarbiyah is very important. Um, just, I want about 15 minutes, inshallah. Let's just, yeah, it's so important. Bringing up children, look, this is all about good treatment. Or Now, Islamic tarbiyah. Bringing up children Islamically is one of, tarbiyah means bringing them up Islamically. is one of the primary responsibilities of the parents. The child has a right to be trained and nurtured religiously, spiritually and ethically. This is a joint responsibility. Both parents bringing them up Islamically. However, the wife's responsibility is more in the early years because the child is attached to the wife. There's a difference between man and woman, so that's why breastfeeding and all of this in the beginning and then more the husbands, the fathers. Both parents must impart good moral teachings and provide Islamic environment for their children, ensuring that the child after growing up lives a life in obedience to Allah and His Messenger You know, look, parents, the problem today about tarbiyah is that we, some of us, we, tarbiyah is all about ita'ah and obedience. That some parents, if the children can commit any haram, we don't worry. But when they start disrespecting parents, then you think, ah, he's become an Islamic. Because they're disobeying me. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't listen to me. But what about his committing sins, other sins? Tarbiyah is not about just listening to me as a father or a mother. We have to be, remember, it is not enough. It is not enough for salvation and success in the hereafter being a good Muslim yourself. So many cases, parents are in the masjid, in the first row, saf, praying salah. Children have never seen the masjid. Allah will question us about our children for najat in akhirah, for salvation and jannah and paradise in akhirah. It is responsibility for every parent, not just for their own selves, but we will be questioned about our children. Ya amanu qu anfusakum, O you who believe, save yourselves wa ahlikum and your families nara from hellfire. And there's actually a reason why Allah mentioned nar here. Because some say, oh, we try, we try, we've tried so much, but you know, children don't listen. And then they bring story. Look at Nuh alayhi salam, his son also was a kafir. And you know, Nuh alayhi salam tried for 950 years, day and night. If somebody does that, and then, then okay, then you're excused all your life, day and night. This is why Allah said, Nar here, save yourselves and your family from hell, from fire, from hellfire. And why he used fire to give us this understanding that the way you would save your children from fire of this dunya, save them from the fire of akhirah. If your children, you're walking and there's a fire there and your children's going in there, we'll say, oh, better son, don't go in the fire, you'll get burnt. You get phone, better there's a fire there. Yeah, just make sure you don't go in that fire. Okay. Do we do that? We will what? Fire, you run and you literally give your life to save your children from jumping into a fire. The same for Akhirah. Beta, pray Fajr. You just, no, you literally give your whole existence. You, you care that you don't want them to enter into hellfire. So you give your whole existence in them becoming good Muslims. Tarbiyah is bringing Islam in their lives.
This is the second part. I just did one part. This is so ensuring that the child lives a life in accordance with Allah, teachings with Allah and his mess in obedience to Allah and his messenger. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Sadly, today, you know, we the first part, many people, many parents take care of it. We are we are concerned about their jobs, their careers, their prospects. Uh, you know, their future should be good. But what about the real future? We're very we're very concerned about the immediate future. When he's 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. What about when he's 100? Meaning in the next life. What about when he's 200? What about when he's 500? What about when he's 800? What about when he's 2000? What about when he's 450,000 years age? I'm talking about next life. That's the real future. We don't care about that. You know, so... Um, and the sunnah of Allah is that you know when parents they don't care about the Islamic aspect of the children the tarbiyah then Allah uses the same children to bring punishment to the parents in the dunya and this is a hadith man arda Allah bi sakhatin nas kafahullah wa man asakhata Allah bi rida nas wakkalahullahu ila nas any not just children if you try to if you displease Allah by making a creation of Allah happy, then Allah uses that same creation to turn against you. Some parents, you know, like there was one sheikh, he was saying that his son went to university and studying, etc. And he was so happy, my son, doctor, you know, he's a big doctor, and he's very, very, very happy. And you know, alhamdulillah, this is good, as I said, that's deen, very good. But there was no aspect of, other aspect of deen. So he... The sheikh came, he said, Sheikh, you know, my son, I'm so proud, happy, make dua, mashallah. This was in the subcontinent, he's, and he's been to, I don't know, America, Canada or somewhere. He studied, mashallah, he's become a doctor, and my son is amazing, and, you know, just everything's good, big job prospects, mashallah, he's very successful. Just one thing, you know, you know, iman is not there, but inshallah, make dua. You know, that, that gets better as well. You know, Iman is lost, so just make dua. So Shaykh said, this is like saying, you know, you see a body here, mashallah, on the bed, body, the eyes are beautiful, the hair is amazing, hands are very, very soft, lips, uh, you know, body, hands, mashallah, such beautiful body, only one thing, the soul has left, is dead. This is the example. Iman just left, like we just think, oh, you don't, he's, my, I'm so proud, my son's become doctor, everything, but he's left, Iman, inshallah, make dua, you know, Iman, like a small thing. It's like the guy's dead, there's no soul in him. So for dunya, we sacrifice our soul, our Iman. Be more careful about your children's Iman and soul and ruh, seriously. So, uh, this is very important. Some parents are concerned about all matters concerning secular education, health, careers, but not deen. And this is the hadith, when one displeases Allah in order to make a particular creation happy, Allah's way is to turn the very creation against him. Be good role models. How do you do tarbiyah? This is the most important thing. Allah says, order your children to pray salah, your family, and you yourself act upon it. You know, the best form of tarbiyah is to act yourself. You go to the masjid, you don't have to tell anything to your children. They, your children come, father's going masjid. You pray salah at home. You know, children start imitating. Even you pray salah, they'll come and do sujood and everything. Because best role models, um, sorry, the best way of treatment, effective ways of sound of bringing is to be good role models. 
practice deen yourself create a good religious environment at home never deceive or lie to children I was saying you know don't break promises don't lie in front of children if you want to do something haram then don't do it in front of children don't, don't do it but I'm saying if you want to you have to do it at least at least not in front of the children at least seriously you know someone comes and knocks on the door and you don't want to see them like I mentioned this the other day I think and what do you say go and tell him dad is not at home and he'll go outside and he'll say my dad is upstairs he just said he's not at home you know, we make like to go and say, oh, I'm not at home. To go and tell him, just, you know. Now he'll think that he's lying. My dad lies like someone, he doesn't want to meet someone. It's okay, lying, small, small things. So we have to be good role models. Lay the foundations of Iman from infancy. Lay the foundations of Iman from infancy. Why do we say adhan in the ears as soon as a child comes? Because from infancy we are putting shahada, Iman. Parents must aim to instill into the child's heart from a young age the love of Allah. Tawheed, he's our creator. You need to talk about this. Look, don't leave everything to imams and shaykhs and masjids and madrasas. Alhamdulillah, Allah has made all of us intelligent. There's a role for parents to play. This basic teaching nobody can give except parents. I'm actually, I'm very, on education, Islamic education, I'm very strong. And I'm not trying to take the imams out of their jobs. Of course, they need this. But some things parents have to do themselves. You have to, you know, teach some things yourself. From a young age, always talking. You know, when you're going outside, you're going for a picnic. Look, look, son, daughter, subhanAllah, look at these amazing clouds. These are mountains. This is our Lord. How does water come? Allah creates everything. You have milk. Come, you, when your child is having milk, you say, look, child, do you know this milk? Do you know where it comes from? This comes from a cow. Allah says in the Quran, مِن it comes from a place which is in between dead, uh, red blood and filth. It comes right in the middle of that. Allah is telling us to think about all of this. But when it comes out, pure white, no smell of the dung and no color of the blood. You tell them, think of this. Drink your milk like that. Thank Allah. Thank Allah. Look, this... How does this milk come to you? It's not that easy that you just get milk just like that. Make them pray two rakat salah. Say like, I want milk. Offer two rakat, salatul haja, on the prayer mat. Ask Allah, Allah, I want some milk, inshallah, then you get milk. So this is how you lay the foundations of iman and Islam and the Quran, etc. Train children from a young age. Look, all these things. High, instilling hygiene, cleanliness, eat. Evil traits and bad habits must be rooted out, such as lying, swearing, arguing, cheating, jealousy, stealing, all this. Parents should embed the hatred of evil habits into the heart's, child's heart. You know, put this in their heart. Lying and swearing. You know, you should make these things, they automatically know it's bad. Like, you make like an incident that they will remember forever. Like, you remember the, cow, uh, the example I gave, sorry, the goat one. Something like that. But think of a strategy, and then that's it. You... They always remember for their life, cheating, no way. That's, I can't cheat. A Muslim is honest. I can't steal. Something that strikes them, and then they remember until they're 85. My dad, that story, it, that's it. I, mean, I, don't, I can't lie. This should be done with love, gentleness, calmness, in accordance with the sunnah of Allah's Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Avoiding fulfilling every wish, don't spoil them as well. 
Don't spoil them. Instead, put in them traits of patience, hard work, sharing, generosity, consideration of others. You don't get everything in this world from a young age. Protect them from materialism and the marketing machine so they don't become spoilt. There's a difference between what they need and what they want. Don't give everything they want. Everything they need and some things of what they want. Falling for the notion of wanting and what... Uh, okay. Parents easily spoil their children out of guilt. This is a problem because we feel guilty. Oh, you know, I didn't give time. Or yesterday I got angry. And then the mother will come by. Oh, spoil, you know. Don't, don't do that from the beginning. Why do you have to then, you know, feel guilty and then you have to make up for it? So, don't spoil your children out of guilt. Guilt of mainly absence. You can't buy, you can't give gifts and replace time. You're absent and just say, okay, I'll give you gifts. There's no comparison between the two. I've already talked about technology, TV, and media uh, because this came briefly, so you can just... If somebody's taking pictures, you can take them and uh, just read it yourself because time is short. I've, because I've explained all of this. Uh, you know, TV in the bedroom, all of that. I've already explained that. Selecting friends. Parents should choo choose pious and well-behaved friends. You should know who their friends are for their child. Ensuring he avoids bad or she avoids bad company. They should be alert to the child's company and influences. So this is very important as well. Haya in children. Very, very important topic. Haya is very, very important. Extremely important to foster modesty, shame, basic morals relating to covering from a young age. You know, when they start growing old, they can't walk around naked. They know like what shame, shame is, shame, shame, you know. They need to know all of this. Parents should also make sure that, you know, when, you, when they, your child grows seven, eight, Start, don't start exposing your aura in front of children. Some parents are negligent in this regard. Aura means like, you know, for a man, it's above the, below the navel and above the knees. To children, you can't start being naked like that in front of children as well. So, uh, you know, avoid everything that may lead to, child, lead to the child. Underestimate the importance of haya. Such as parents dressing semi-naked at home, inappropriate images and literature, nudity on TV. This is haya, it's a topic on its own. With teenagers, it is important not to shy away from having conversations about puberty, sexuality and relationships. This is a topic on its own. They should not be afraid to ask parents what they have on their mind. Look, it's better they learn from... The, it's a, this is a difficult topic but you know sex education all of this you have to you, like I said be friends they can talk to, if they can't talk to their fathers and mothers who can they talk to with haya with modesty if they talk about have conversations about puberty about bulur about teach them parents teach them you know they don't need to listen from anywhere else about relationships about boyfriend girlfriends about all these kind of things they should not be afraid to ask parents what they have on their mind no problem. Don't, don't become monsters. You know, there was one sheikh, I'll just mention this one sheikh, he came to somebody and he said, uh, what, what time is it now? Okay, I've got 10 minutes, alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair. So, one sheikh was saying that somebody came to him and he said, when I go home, my children, like this, they don't even move or nothing. You know, alhamdulillah, I have so much ra'ab, you know, like so much... Uh, or, yeah, uh, in front of my children, 
But you know, when they come, they sk- so the sheikh said, do you become a monster or a lion or something? You know, like, this is not what a father is. Father, you can have conversations. You should be, inshallah, your children shouldn't be having boyfriends, girlfriends, but a father should be such that your son doesn't feel scared to come and tell you that I got a girlfriend. If they can tell everybody else and can't tell you, then there's something wrong. You know, they shouldn't. You should be doing tarbiyah, they don't have that. But if they come and say that, you're a father. They should be friends. They're able to speak to you. Maybe you just tell them that, you know, at least it's a girlfriend, not a boyfriend in this day and age. <laughs> this is probably a ni'mah, ghanimah in this day and age. So, I'm talking about if your son comes, you know, did you get the point that he's saying he's got a girlfriend and he's not saying a boyfriend? This, uh, anyway, so with teenagers, it is important not to shy away from having conversation. I've talked about this. It is better to learn from parents rather than others, but with haya, with haya and decorum. Introduce Islamic obligations at age seven. And then the hadith says, But at, year, at the age of seven, slowly, you don't have to implement everything. You know, some people, look, in here we have extremes. Some people are very extreme. When this child is seven, eight, they make them, you have to fast and start fasting in Ramadan, like until 18, 17, 19, whatever hours, we have 19 hour fasts. You have to be balanced. You, know, you don't have to do everything. Just slowly, maybe small, small things. From age of seven, in accordance with prophetic teachings, parents should start introducing basic Islamic obligations, such as prayer, fasting, Make your child familiar with the masjid and religious environment. Take them to religious gatherings, mashallah. You take them like gatherings like this. You know, all the great people that became great, you know, in our history, from the Salaf, from the Salihin, from the Imams, and these great, great people. Seriously, all, not all, sorry, most of them. Yeah, not everybody, because there are some people who actually introduced, embraced Islam and they became big. But most of them, starting from the Sahaba, when they were young, when they were growing up, they grew up in the masjid, they grew up in the midst of awliya and ulama and mashayikh and shiyukh. Seriously. I've read this, i found this in so many people's biographies. When they became big, their eyes, one of my teachers, Mufti Khuthmani, says that my eyes opened and when I was two, three years old and the only thing I'm hearing is this fatwa and this halal and this permissible and this fiqh ruling and this sunnah and just books and this... I, I, I opened my eyes in the midst of fuqaha and muhadditin. So it has an impact from a young age. Aisha radiallahu anha, she grew up and Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, his friend is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And then she became Aisha Siddiqa, bint a Siddiq. So um, make your child familiar with the religious environment. Take them to religious gatherings. Have them visit scholars and pious people. If you have pious people coming to your house, they'll see them. Or you take them, you know, in that good company. It doesn't have to always be scholars. Scholars, pious people, nice people, mashallah, there's so many people. You're all amazing people here. It doesn't always have to be scholars. So, but in a good environment. Prophetic supplications, this is really important. Teach your children, inculcate a habit in them to recite various prophetic supplications. I say it with meaning. You know, all these du'as is so important. I think I mentioned this uh, somewhere. I, I actually, in the Jum'ah khutbah, which I give uh, here, I talked about this. 
Even adults, you know these du'as, they have meanings. You have to understand the meanings to get the real message of these du'as. These prophetic du'as, and I'm talking about thunna ma'thura, established du'as. You know, when you wake up, Alhamdulillah, make a habit seriously you have this one of my teachers I think Mufti Taqwithmani mentions this that one of the easiest ways of wilaya and connection with Allah are these basic prophetic du'as Islam is not complicated we don't need all these complicated you know things this do that and do this and jump here and jump that simple sunnah in your life just do that and you become wali of Allah prophetic du'as we must make a habit do we have this habit at home? It's a must, honestly. Wake up. They have it. Like, alhamdulillah. As soon as they sneeze, straight away your child should say, alhamdulillah. And you should be saying, irhamukallah. Yahdikumullah. It's, it's a must. As soon as they eat, you don't have to remind them, bismillahi wa ala barakatillah. Oh, alhamdulillah, alladhi razaqani. You know, there's another dua actually when the food comes. Alhamdulillah, alladhi razaqani. Hada min ghayri hawli minni wa la quwa. And with meaning, the real benefit is meaning. You need a whole course. You know, seriously, these du'as are jawami'ul kalim, gems. Each du'a, I can talk about it for 45 minutes, one du'a, the deeper meanings. Teach the meaning. We should know the meanings. Like, for example, I'll just give this one example. Time is short. You know, I told my son all, all the meanings. When he goes in the toilet, okay, right, uh, left foot first, and before he goes in, he'll read the du'a. Alhamdulillah. Uh, oh Allah, I'm going inside this toilet. Please make sure the male and female, shaitan, jinn, all of these bad people, evil people, don't let them come inside and you know save me, inshallah. Allah. And then he'll go inside. And then he'll come out. Oh Allah, thank you, thank you so much. Now my stomach is good and you know I feel good right now. And if, if I didn't go to the toilet, then my dad will have to take me to hospital. That's his translation. I taught him when he was three, so he just still remembers that translation. That's a, like a summarized translation of the dua. And then in the car, Subhanallahi sakhara lala hada wa ma kunna lahu muqrinin. You know, Allah, you, this is, you've controlled this, and you know, we're sitting in this car, it's so nice and smooth. So when I told him what his meaning, I said, Subhanallahi sakhara lana hada, hada means this, this car, plane, etc. So when I told him this, I used to have a Nissan car. So he changed his dua to Subhanallahi sakhara lana Nissan. So until now he reads So with the meanings you have to You know it's very important Prophetic supplications Collective reading Very important Take time out to read Islamic and beneficial literature to the child Maybe collectively as a family Once a day or at least once a week You know we have this ta'aleem etc in the masjid Do that at home It doesn't only have to be one book It could be different books Hadith books Simple books And the best thing is Make your children read the whole family sits down, turns, okay, one son, one daughter, maybe extended family, every Sunday, maybe all the, you know, you have nice weather, summer's coming, in the garden, whatever, your extended family, we all get together, we read a book for half an hour, and then have your nice, you know, meal, you guys like to eat here in a nice way, very pleasant way, it's, mashallah, you have a beautiful lifestyle here, and, you know, nice weather, everything, do this collective reading of books. Um, discipline children, subhanAllah, the, the, Okay, and then there's education. Uh, yeah, there's just three pages left. I'll just mention this quickly because we've got just three, four minutes. There should be a balance between awe and respect and love. Children must not excessively fear parents. 
such that they hesitate to even come close to them, talk to them, or seek advice. Okay, uh, they will become otherwise they will become cowards. So, but you you can discipline them. Do not be control freaks. Allow the child to gradually learn to make his or her own decisions. Allow them to be confident and obtain the quality of decision making. Very important. I'm not explaining all of this because time is very short. It is always good not to discipline the child when he is involved in the wrong action. Some of the ulama say that, you know, when the child is in the middle of a wrong action, don't discipline them right now because it'll have a negative impact afterwards. Sometimes, you know, it's better to like, you pretend that you don't know, you haven't seen it, you know, because the barrier is there. Uh, wait for an appropriate time and then explain with calmness and tact. I'll say one thing here that, you know, most of the scholars have said this, that when you're angry with your children, you're disciplining them, don't get angry to take out your anger. It's not permissible. Whenever you need to be angry, if you're angry, your child is doing something and you're angry, don't, don't discipline at that time. Swallow your anger. Then afterwards when you're calm, then make artificial anger. Mm, you know, artificial anger. Because then in that case, you will never go beyond the hudud set by sharia. Try to control. You know, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu when he was angry. When he was for, uh, it has to be for, for the sake of Allah. So, anger, we need to control our anger. More than obedience of parents instilling the child that he or she is displeasing Allah. We care more about our disobedience than disobedience to Allah. Like I said, for some parents, tarbiyah is all about listening to father and mother. What about obeying Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa And finally, education. This is a topic on its own. There's just uh, three pages, I'll read it. Imparting religious education is one of the most important responsibilities of parents. Children must be taught the basis of aqidah, oneness of Allah, and all the things, seerah, etc., etc. Do not send children to madrasa or Quran classes as a ritual. It's not just like a culture of things because you gotta do it. Yeah, in America, this is your accent. Because people do it, you have to do it. Or customary or cultural practice. Parents should actively take part in their child's Islamic education. Take active part. Don't just leave everything to the imam, everything to the sheikh, everything. You have to take some responsibility as parents. In fact, it is, and this if someone can do it, yeah, and I'm, I'm quite big on this, but even like some experts have written on this, if it's possible, and this is even secular education, they say it is better not to outsource Islamic education to others. I know, sorry, Imams, we don't want to take them out of jobs, but some of the ulama have said this, that it's, if some parents can teach themselves, it's better not to outsource this. Teach yourself. Whatever you can teach, you teach. Okay? It is the parents' responsibility. Equip yourselves with knowledge and teach the children yourselves, at least in the beginning years. In that way, at least we'll learn knowledge. So if we can teach ourselves, because we leave everything on the parents. Many scholars are of the opinion that children should not be burdened with formal education before age of seven. I know this is difficult in this day and age, like you're two years old and you're in education. But literally, Islamically, because the hadith says, don't, you know, tell about salah seven, Sheikh Mawlana Ashabli rahimullah used to be very strong on this. He's, he was really against the idea of formal classroom setting before seven for children. Teach them in play. Let them, this play, childhood will never come back now. Until seven, let him be or let her be a child. Teach them, but they can jump on your back and learn and climb up the roof and learn. Then seven, you know, organization and classroom and, you know, timetable from year three, four. It's not good mentally as well. 
there's experts who have done research on this. I don't know how much you can act upon this. I'm just saying it's, it's, you can look into this further. Teach them at home in playful manner because starting too early can cause damage and burnout. Uh, sorry, I went. With advanced Islamic education, so that was basic Islamic education, right? You know, basic, you teach yourselves. Advanced Islamic education, send them to Darussalam. Uh, ensure to take active interest in where, how, and by whom your child is learning. This is our, look, Allah has given aql to parents. Yeah, not anyone who looks like a sheikh, alim, or religious person. We don't do that with doctors. Oh, mashallah, I saw a guy with a nice suit with a briefcase, a doctor. Yeah, can you please treat me? No. For deen, we have to think who, you know, we have, it's our responsibility. Allah has given aql. We can, I'm not a doctor, but I can tell, you know, who a good doctor is and a bad doctor. I changed my doctor because I wasn't happy and I'm not a doctor. So even if you're not scholars, you can tell. Allah has given, you know, sometimes we think everything, we just become passive. We've got aql, we can make decisions. We know this institute's good. This education is good. This place is good. So we make, many scholars have, uh, sorry, taken interest in where, how, and whom your child is learning by. Carefully ch choose good teachers and school, like Darussalam here. They haven't told me to say this, yes? So I'm, I'm just giving an example. Take interest in your child's progress. Take interest. How much you've learned, how much Quran, how much this. With other education, you know what I mean by other education? I don't like to use the word secular education. That's why I just said other education. With other education, many scholars, just two more minutes, we're finishing. Many scholars have repeatedly emphasized the importance of children learning in a good Islamic environment where the iman and religious identity is not a risk. And this is actually a topic on its own. Many of our children lose iman when they go to university. Now, in England, we have Islamic schools. Just in my city, Leicester, we've got 10 Islamic schools. Small city, 10, 12. Most practicing Muslim parents, they, it's, and you have to pay fees, they're private. Yeah, and people spend, that's where you spend your money. I mean, don't send them to state schools. I could never think of sending my son to a state school. It's just impossible. It's like, in the midst, you know, people, people, we talk about tarbiyah, but we put them in the middle of a fire, and then, you know, it's, it's difficult. If you can't, I mean, you need really, Islamic schools is a must in every country, city. It's more needed there's more requirement of Islamic schools than building masjids. So, uh, where the iman or religious identity is not at risk, therefore good Islamic schools are must. Homeschooling is also an option. Some people do homeschooling. Not possible for everyone. Teach your children, teach your child the love of learning, so give them time to relax and play after school as well. And last, this is the last page totally. I've got a, his, you know, Sheikh is here. Now, now I'm, I'm gonna get, he's gonna get angry at me. This is literally the last slide. Careers, the objective of education has sadly become money rather than contributing something positive to society. You know, when your children take careers, be a doctor, you know, like Asian, everyone has to be a doctor and a liar. Doctor, liar, everybody, you know, lawyer. The objective of education has sadly become money rather than contributing something positive to society. When you tell your children which career to take, make it about how they can serve humanity and community. Not because, this is a problem, young people, they go into education based on what's going to give me, which job's going to give me the most money. Before it wasn't like that, people used to choose a career, how can I serve the community? Being a doctor, I can serve the creation of Allah. Which profession I am able to serve? So a, parent's, a parent must not interject ideas into the child's mind. You can give advice, but don't force your children. Some parents, because they couldn't do something, they want the children to do it. 
It's a bad mistake. I couldn't be a doctor, and I want my child to be a doctor. So don't force your children. Their life choices in career must be self-motivated. The reason why so many adults are depressed, listen to this carefully, final, is because they, have, they were brainwashed into taking a career path by parents and teachers because it gives a good wage. But the child never took interest and eventually just slotted into a career to make others happy. So be very careful about this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone gives success. May Allah guide us and give us benefit, inshallah.